This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I hope everybody's doing great this week. And if you're not, certainly the Spirit is present and Jesus is present and Father God is present to, to do whatever. To literally fill you, cover you. Um, oh, Ash and Asia, I don't know where, I guess they're making a quick break. Man, thank you so much. You know, I tell you guys this often, but um, we're led by people who are anointed to lead us, but then, too, you all make a difference in the room when you come with your hearts. Even So take this, if you don't get anything else. Even when you come with your need, you make a difference in the room. Not a bad difference. Some people would say, like, oh. No, a good, a good difference, because when we come with our needs, we're admitting that we're in need of God, that we need him to, to love us, to fill us, to do something. You know, he's always present, but in our daily lives, sometimes it doesn't feel so. Um, and I get it, you know, well, faith yourself up. Well, sometimes you got to go to him first to find out where your faith. Ever been in deep water and you're like, okay, if faith was an inner tube, where is it right now? <laughs> Anybody ever feel that? I'll put both hands up because I'm, I'm human. And I'm not ashamed to be human. I mean, God chose to demonstrate himself in human existence. So apparently there was something he found completely captivating by his creation that he chose to put himself inside of us. Um, we had the panel last week, which, oh man, thank you so much, JR and Grace, for doing that last minute. I think I told them at 4.30, let's do this. Um, and then other, they had things to do. There was no preparation. Um, but God knew. And God knows what each week should be. So I had taught two weeks before that. Um, and last week was a little bit of a conglomeration of our lives together in that truth. And now I want to just do a quick review, seriously short, um, that the key is trusting God that he can speak to your heart and cause you to keep trusting broader and broader and broader. You know, don't ever feel like, oh, well, my faith's so little. I mean, Scripture tells us if you got faith the size of a mustard seed, you got enough to move any mountain. Because our faith linked with God, and the seed we got, we got it from him. So, I mean, it's some pretty hybrid seed. Would you agree? So if you have a seed, and I don't know if anybody, anybody that's my age remembers the mustard seed necklaces, the lucite, and they would put a mustard seed in. A mustard seed is about the size of um, a 16, maybe 16 point or 18 point um, period on type print. That's how tiny it is. So God's painting pictures. Would you agree? I mean, your, your faith isn't a seed, a mustard seed, but it's a... That that much will do some crazy good stuff. So whatever you've come with here tonight, get ready for, um, yeah, an explosion in your brain. You know that emoji that shows the head and then it's like, <laughs> I have that so often with God. It's like, whoa, okay. So it starts with the seeds of trust that he causes to grow up inside of us as thoughts. We begin to envision. You know, we have that phrase that says words paint pictures. Well, God's words paint miraculous pictures. They may not look miraculous. They may just be like you doing something that you normally wouldn't have the nerve to do. Or you believing that he's going to provide for you in a way that your bank account says, no, no, not now. 
and yet he's speaking something inside you. So you start leaning into those pictures. Those become your meditations. Those become your ponderings. Those become the tracks in your gray matter. Don't think that thoughts are unimportant and you just keep pushing them aside and then just quote the scriptures. No, what happens inside is key because then you speak it out and words are seeds. And so we begin to plant and we begin to build. We imagine and then we bring it out here. I mean, think about it. I'm just going to do this because it's a good illustration. Somebody ticks you off and you think about it inside And you prepare for what you're going to say to them the next time you see them. You're building. Anger grows. It doesn't just stay like, oh, they ticked me off. When you ponder there, you get all kinds of things can come in. Resentment, bitterness, the anger. The anger rises to wrath. You know, murder doesn't just come out of a vacuum. It comes out of people who have spent time in very negative thinking and very negative perspectives towards other humans until they get more and more angry and they move into wrath and they move to a point where they no longer have control of themselves because darkness has control of their thoughts and their thoughts become come seeds and actions that they plant something. I know this sounds kind of heavy, but that's the review because that's what we're looking at. So tonight we're continuing moment to moment, um, the unfolding of truth. Okay. And I, I want to look at, um, are y'all with me? Like to do the tick off of the religious thinking. Can we do the button? Like turn it off. And don't allow it to be in here tonight as you hear this, because it's time for all of us to learn to be so filled with God nurturing us and unveiling, unfolding truth for us that we see truth all over the place. You do understand that there are people in the world, they don't know God, but they have principles and they have morals and they're operating sometimes in greater um, God-likeness than some of the church. Don't be offended, okay? Is anybody offended at me? Tell me the truth. But seriously, sometimes we think just because we have the chapters and verses, we've cornered the market on truth. And God is speaking to anyone who will listen, even when people don't know that in their conscience, they're hearing things out of a spirit world with the God of creation. Many don't know that, and they haven't yielded their lives to Jesus. Okay, are you with me? I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying, I want to talk tonight about recognizing truth. Being able to see truth. I can tell I need to build a little more because some people are like, oh, where is she going with this? This is no false doctrine or squeaky or squirrely or, or anything. The spirit of truth is not just like God's prejudice for the church and will only speak inside of a church sanctuary. Can we see him? Can we see truth in the life of another? Because you see, he's drawing people. And when you go to someone and you know him and you begin to build a friendship, you can begin to tell people you do know that you're walking in truth. Did you know you're walking in truth? Do you know whose truth that is? Do you know that that's actually a spirit? The spirit? So this is what I want to look at tonight. So with that review, when we intentionally choose to yield our lives and our life choices to God, we're not only changing our own life, but also those we influence, and then we're also affecting culture. You see, if we choose to only recognize truth when we walk with other Christians, 
We're just affecting the church culture. Which can get stinkier and stinkier because we get more and more prideful. And we think we've cornered the market on doctrine. Been there, done that. I mean, you, you tithe. Oop, little Girl Scout badge on my sash. Oh, I got tongues. Girl Scout badge on my thing. Oh, I'm a teacher. Girl Scout badge. And we can start to get filled with thinking, okay, we're doing things. Y'all with me? So here is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 uh, from the message. Okay, get ready. Because remember I said, faith comes, then we start pondering the truths of God, and then we start speaking out. So we literally, our life starts to shift and go on the right trajectory. Okay, so those different things are tools of our trade. You see, God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. He made us as believers. Do you realize that all humans are believers? Now, if you're listening with a church ear, you're thinking I just said all humans are Christian. That's not what I said. All humans are believing something. God made mankind in his image to take input Choose to believe it and then function out of what got inputted. And that's why he said, don't go eat over there. It really wasn't about an apple, guys. It was about the voice that tempted them to eat where he said, don't eat. And so what they took into them wasn't, I love apples. (laughs) I love apples. But everybody's made that about an apple. It was not about an apple. They took something in that began to make them question all that he said to them after that. That's what the enemy does. So listen to this verse or these verses, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entirely massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Where do outward philosophies start? Inside somebody's brain. I mean, Satan isn't out there coming and saying, you never bet my name is Satan, and I've got a belief system I'd love for you to come into with me. No, he tricks us. Because he's not ignorant of the fact that we're going to believe something. If he can trick us into believing darkness, then we'll live Dark. And maybe not even know we're living dark. You do, do you realize that we can take the truths and the scriptures and literally assassinate people, assassinate their character, assassinate even their hearts, just stab them in the heart by, by judging that they don't do it the way we do it. You see, it's so dangerous to not walk with the spirit. This book is meant to save us. It can kill you if you read it with humanity. Just your human thinking, your natural thinking. This book will put you in bondage. It'll put you in legalism. It will literally have you murder people, not physically, but with your judgment and critiquing. And you might never say a word to them. But you think we're atmospheric beings. You think when you walk into a group and you're emanating judgment and you're thinking, these people do not know Jesus. You think they can't feel that? You can feel that. Just like anger. You can feel anger. When somebody's angry, agitated, frustrated, you can feel it. Sometimes you can see it on their face, but sometimes people are masters at putting on a smiling face. Christians especially. 
the joy of the Lord is my strength. I know there's a pandemic, but just, just all good. No, it's not. No. You might be good, but do you care that not everyone is? So demolishing that entirely massive corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools inside here. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ or a lifestyle. You could say lifestyle. You see, when we start taking our thoughts captive, when we start you know, learning truth, and everybody in this room has learned truth, but you see, this is a lifelong lifestyle. This isn't, okay, I'm a Christian, been a Christian for decades, I've, got, I've arrived. Because there's still stuff out there coming at me. There's still influence. There are still people maybe even that you love that have dramatic influence on you, but they don't know God yet. And so it's almost like if you go to a bonfire, you're going to come away smelling like smoke. You don't just wear those clothes over and over because they stink. They smell like smoke. So you take them home and wash them. Well, this needs to be washed. I know I love the smell of smoke myself, but, but seriously, this, I said to somebody recently, I can't, you might be sitting in this room, but, um, brainwash is not a dirty word. I mean, nobody, we're not here trying to brainwash anybody. However, we will say, my brain and yours need some washing from time to time. Right? Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Isn't that cool? So what we... What we've studied for the past month about faith, moving into thoughts, and having literally a belief system, having a patterns, because you see, whatever you're looking at a lot, whatever you're um, giving attention and time to, is going to become something that lives inside of you. Say no condemnation. Because we're learning. So if you got creepy stuff, and I think I said this one night, if you got creepy stuff, it's God alerting you. That's Holy Spirit saying oh, wow, I've got a warped belief system in here. That's some of the power of Sozo is you go into the Sozo counseling session with a facilitator, a guide that actually lets Holy Spirit tell you what needs to be touched. And if you don't understand how to do that, they guide you. But it's Holy Spirit that says, we're going to talk about this here. And then he gives the answers. If you think it's whack, talk to somebody, Babette and Sally and and some of the counselors. It's really good stuff because it's really just Holy Spirit prayer. That's what it is. Um, John 8.32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, this, this truth doesn't set you free because this is truth. The truth you know sets you free. And not the truth you know here, because truth is not something written with ink on paper in a book called the Bible. Truth is the very spirit of God himself. So when you know him intimately, when you fellowship with him intimately, when you go to this word, and if it's crazy and you're thinking, Jesus, I don't understand this at all. You can tell him that. I I don't get this. I mean, for years I was searching for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and I, I would look at the scriptures, but I looked at the scriptures based on how I was raised in church. 
And I had scriptures that I had a certain belief structure attached to those scriptures that wasn't coming to me from God. It was coming to me from my denomination. And so I, it took years. I mean, I was, I would literally go to the scriptures that people, you know, friends that had gotten, um, I really wanted my prayer language is what I wanted. I didn't understand the baptism with the spirit. But anyways, um, I just couldn't see it. But then bit by bit, as I kept going back to the scriptures that they said, well, this is going to tell you about the fullness of the spirit. This is going to tell you. I kept going back with that heart that said, Jesus, teach me. Clearly something's binding me from this. And, and if this is you, I want it. So after three or four years, I meet people who could actually teach me the scriptures with a fresh perspective without prejudice or bent, didn't force me into the baptism, presented the scriptures to me and said, now what do you want? Now it's crazy to me that at that point I can go into a pastor's office and the very same scriptures that I've been raised on because he's trusting God. That pastor is trusting God that God will give me what I'm asking God for, not what I'm asking Pastor Barry for. I don't even know Pastor Barry. I'm not trusting Pastor Barry. I'm trusting God that this is the man who can show me some stuff. So then at the end, he said, three and a half hours, okay? I had a lot to be undone. <laughs> three and a half hours later, he says, so where, what do you want to do? I said, well, something seems different. So I want, I want you to minister. Whatever happens now, let's do it. I mean, at one point, he literally took me to a sink and took a glass and filled it with water and set it on the counter. He said, this is you right now. This was before I got baptized in the Spirit. This is you right now. Yeah, you got the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit all up in you, all up in you. But here's what the Holy Spirit wants. So he filled the sink with water and set the glass down in the sink. He said, this is what the Holy Spirit and Jesus want. Not only that you would have the Spirit in you, but that you would overflow, that you would be literally immersed in the water of truth, in the water of the Spirit, in the life of the Spirit, that you literally are now overwhelmed by the Spirit of life. It was crazy good. I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. But think about it. He was a teacher, a guy that knew how to use our tools of the trade. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been made by God as a believer. What we give ourselves to will persuade. You see, you don't have to try to believe the word of God. Don't try to force yourself to go somewhere you're not ready to go. Simply present yourself before God, go to his word, and watch what this will do in your life. One of the um, men who, he's now with the Lord, uh, well, so is Pastor Barry, but um, Brother Hagen at 16, has a heart condition. None of this is in my notes, but so God is, God's, what is God saying to you tonight? Because he just wants truth tonight. So Brother Hagen at 16, I mean, he's debilitated with heart disease, basically shouldn't be alive. He, he gets a Bible. He's denominational, but he takes a Bible, laying in his bed, and starts reading the Bible. Just reading the Bible. Finding scriptures on healing. Finding scriptures on the miraculous. Finding scriptures on faith. Mark eleven twenty two. He like swam in that for 75 years. And, and kept getting more revelation out of that scripture. One scripture. How much truth is in here that one scripture can cause a man to literally birth some of the most powerful faith ministry on the globe from heart disease at 16? He started 
skinny and heart disease and everything. And he gets that word and he says, I'm getting up out of this bed. I'm getting up out of this bed. He didn't have the energy to get up out of the bed. But he said, that word says that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm getting up out of this bed. So he would practice and he would get to the edge of the bed and he would pull himself up by, by the thing on the, his bed frame. And he would stand up for as long as he could. Finally, he, he walks around the house and he gets, and he's going, he says, I'm going back to school. They didn't want him to come to school because he would come to school and he'd pass out. Wow. He still physically had a heart condition, but inside of his spiritual heart and in his gray matter, he had been using the tools of our trade. Come on now. Come on. That's yeah. so good. He was using the tools of the trade. My heart is beating so fast right now because this stuff excites me to no end. I'm not saying that I'm there. I'm practicing this stuff. I'm practicing it even with you guys tonight because what the word of God will do in a human heart and mind Please don't put your mind aside because if you don't hook your mind in with what your heart wants, your mind is the computer of this body. So if your mind isn't renewed to what your spirit believes, you'll still stay right where you are saying, if God believes it, if it's his will, if, 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 what if, what if, if. I'm not trying to be ugly, but those things stop the most powerful beings on the planet. God has made us in his image. One of the scriptures where it says that he's made us a little lower than the angels. Do you know that's not talking about an angelic being? It's talking about Elohim, the triune Godhead. He's made us a little lower. See, you got to look at the ancient languages sometimes because we get these pictures. Oh, we're lower than the angels. No, we're not. No, we're not. Angels are not in God's image. Oh my gosh, my heart is beating so fast. I love this. But see, the spirit is in here to jumpstart some hearts with the miraculous. But we don't get to the miraculous unless we take control of this thing that stops his movement. Oh, Jesus, help us. You will know the truth and the truth you know will set you free. The truth you know intimately. What do you want to know intimately about him? See, I'm not telling you tonight what to seek for. You go to him and find out what do you want to know about Jesus? What do you want to know about your heavenly father? What do you want to know about the Holy Spirit? Are you just going to hold on to what you currently know? I'm going to tell you what, that's the biggest waste of time to literally just hold on to only what I've got right now. That's absurd. If an artist did that, you know, as a child, I learned to color in the lines. And then all this, I mean, what if Michelangelo just, oh, uh, no, I'm not going to do marble. I'm just going to do clay and I'm just going to paint on the ceiling and... We wouldn't have David, the most famous statue on the planet. Wow. Think about it, guys. What is held up inside you? The message. Same scripture, John 8, 32. This is the message version. Then you will experience, experience for yourselves the truth. And the truth, that experience of truth, will free you. See, we got to quit telling people, oh, that wasn't God. If people have something that points them closer to Jesus, closer to Father God, closer to Holy Spirit, please don't tell them it's not God. Even if you think they're doctrinally crazy, be still and only say what Holy Spirit tells you to say. Because sometimes we can disengage people from a path they're on with God. He directs them. There are some, some religions, belief structures on the planet. And Christians are so busy saying, this is a false religion. This is a false religion. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody who's searching for God, really from their heart, he's going to put things on their path. The church need not judge it. Let them search, build friendships. We'll get into that in a minute. Well, maybe. 
To be continued, maybe? Here's the Passion Translation. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. You see, you can make a decision tonight to say, you know what? There's some things in my life, and I don't see the word actually working there right now. However, you say, this is seed, God. All I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep planting it. I'm going to keep planting it. I just thought about Smith Wigglesworth, so I'm just going to say that. Smith Wigglesworth didn't start slamming bodies up against the wall the first time he prayed for a sick person. He got to a place where God had him so convinced that he had the nerve. You see, sometimes faith, the manifestation of faith, is having the nerve to do something. So this man, so persuaded that death is not for a younger person. Long life, and long life isn't just, you know, four and 20 or whatever, cat birds and, you know, this. We've got all these things. We've got these formulas. And we say, well, this is how long man should live. How long do you want to live? How long do you think you're supposed to live? I mean, that should be something between us and God. So he goes into a hospital room and, and there's the dead body. And like, no. So I don't know exactly except that he ended up, now I don't think he was a huge man. He picks up a body. He picks up a body. The body's laying dead on the bed, guys. You know, dead weight, that's where that came from. Dead weight means the person isn't helping you at all when you pick them up. So he picks up dead weight, slams it up against the body and says, or against the wall, whatever is he said, and let go. And it dropped to the ground. Got anything that keeps dropping to the ground? He picks it up again, slams it against the wall, speaks life, drops to the ground. Would you have been discouraged? I doubt he was yelling about living and nobody was coming into the room. Because the man's acting wackadoodle, and naturally speaking. Picks him up again, slams him. I think it was three or four times he slams. And on whatever the last time was, the guy starts breathing again. I'm going to tell you, that doesn't happen just because you've seen by the stripes of Jesus we're healed. There's a lifestyle, there's a yieldedness, there, but you got to know that God's calling you to that. You can't just want to function in miracles. You've got to love God and love people the way he does. You've got to care when people die. Are you all with me? Embrace the truth. Even tonight in worship, Jesus was coming to us, guys. He's coming to us. He's coming and he's bidding us come closer, come closer, come into the truth. Um, I saw numerous ones of you all ministering. Thank God, man. Let it flow. Let the spirit flow. Practice. Exercise your faith. Exercise the movement of God inside of you. Don't be afraid. Oh, is this right? I don't know. I don't know. If your motive of your heart, I mean, sometimes I think we think, Oh, it has to be the leading of the spirit. But if it's literally your heart is motivated, I've had these thoughts. Okay. Can you like, can you like get with me for a minute? And if I'm not building a doctrine on this. Okay. But I have this picture of father God, like we're so sometimes afraid in the church. Am I being led by the spirit? And so if we're not sure we don't move. And I, I just picture the father being like a really good father and some child decides they're going to do something and dad hasn't said do this, but they're like, I'm going to get on my bike. Dad, take the training wheels off because I'm getting on the bike and I'm going to ride it. And dad might not, dad might be thinking, sweetheart, you are not ready for this. But the kid says, I'm getting on the bike. Dad, take the training wheels off. And the kid gets on the bike and God, and, and dad's like, I'm just going to follow him because I'm going to believe he can do that. 
So what if God is watching us and says, I'm in? It's just, it's not a doctrine. It's a picture that I get that we have got to quit being so afraid of whether it was the leading of God. Is it us as the children of God practicing the spirit of truth, fellowshipping with the spirit of truth, fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping with goodness, fellowshipping with, okay, I'm going to let my gray matter be redeemed, be renewed, be born new. Hello? Again, not a doctrine. But if you keep having dead thoughts, but you got this born again life inside you, what's going to happen? Nothing. We'll keep going to church and just waiting for Jesus, just waiting for Jesus. And he's up here like, I'm here. Hello. So there's a way to live in truth in a very practical, non-religious way. But this requires having relationship with the spirit of truth himself. He will lead you moment to moment in everything you encounter. See, this is what, in things, when you meet people, can you sense truth, whether it's something in them? You see, we always in the church, we take the scriptures like, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked in all its ways. I'm going to tell you guys, please hear what I'm saying. God never said that about man. If he said that about us, man would never be anything but deceitfully wicked. We've got to quit thinking that our father is schizophrenic. He does not ever speak trash over us. He may recognize some things about us, but he comes with the truth. He says, no, no, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. If you will take my seed, I will build inside of you the nerve to believe that you can bring change to your culture. So this whole thing of fellowshipping with truth and, and walking in the truth and, and letting your gray matter be brought back to life, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is, I mean, there are actions we can do, but honestly, we've made them actions where stop right now and ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we need a touch point. We need a, on this day is when it all took place. And we remind ourselves, no, I got baptized in the Spirit on that day with Pastor Barry. I know what happened. There was fruit that followed, and it's been steady fruit for 31 years. It's been progression in learning the truth, walking with the Spirit, having intimacy in truth, okay? So this act of being baptized or immersed in Spirit life with Jesus, He baptizes or fills and covers us with His Spirit. You want to know about Spirit of truth? That's what it is. He covers us. If you don't know who the baptizer is, Pastor Barry was not the baptizer of me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was. Pastor Barry just guided me in a prayer to ask for that. To give Jesus permission to immerse me. To put my glass of spirit into the ocean of spirit. See, that was, it was just a little sink because that's all the sink we had in the kitchen back in Warrington in that little teeny church that I walked up to on that day full of denominational insights and it had bars on the windows, guys. I, was, I thought I was walking into some sort of a cult. <laughs> Seriously, it had been um, some sort of store in Warrington way back in the day. Bars, bars on the window. I'm walking out, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, what am I doing? What am I doing, Jesus? But I walked in and it was beautifully appointed and clean and I could feel I was like what is this place 
then I go up and I meet Lindy first and she takes me into Pastor Barry and I'm like enveloped. I, I didn't realize it, but I was already immersed. He had taken me to the environment where the truth would encounter me and let me encounter him. Here's a question for you, okay? I continually ask myself this. So it's something, you know, be nervy and ask yourself periodically. Do you have enough biblical truth living inside of you to see it in other people who may not yet know God and in places other than a religious setting like church? Ye Walmart. Who was it that there was somebody here that used to minister on aisle eight in, um, was it Terry? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Terry Arnone. Um, she would come to training center almost every week with a testimony about what happened in um, Home Depot or Lowe's, whatever it is here in Manassas. And um, she actually, in aisle eight, one day, she saw this man. She asked him a question because she was in there buying, you know, guy stuff and for Patrick. And um, she didn't know. So she asked this guy. They get into a conversation. And before it's over, Terry's asking him, because um, he's Christian, did he want the baptism with the Holy Spirit? And this dude got baptized in the Holy Spirit and got the evidence of tongues on aisle eight in, in that place. You talk about a construction store? Come on, guys. So we called aisle eight her church. My son-in-law, my son really, David, um, Hayton, you know Pastor David, he used to have a church at 7-Eleven on the yeah. druggy side of Manassas. Yeah. He would go there every Friday night, and um, he would give prophetic words, and different people would go with him. It was crazy. And um, he had a guy one night that he got a major word for, and the guy, when he, he put his hand on his shoulder when he ministered the word to him, and the guy, like, got wrecked by God, but he didn't want to act like he was wrecked by God, got tears and everything. And he walked away and then he turned around and he said, are you a psychic or something? (laughs) And you know what I love? David said, or something. Not a psychic or something, the something. This is key. This, this aspect of biblical truth living inside of us. You see, we don't come to church to learn and grow just to know. We come to have intimate knowledge of this truth. So when we, when we come on Wednesday nights and when the worship is extraordinary and the movement of spirit is so beautiful, I don't stop it because I want to teach. I stop it because worship, the flow of God, involves all of it. He will often prepare our hearts and take us into a place where, man, he was pouring the wine out, the wine of the Spirit tonight, and and just even to hesitate those few more minutes when I looked at you and I was like, you got something. I knew, because I could feel something coming out of you still. It wasn't time to stop. So that comes, and that not only helps me to just, oh, wow, okay, now, now I feel like move on. It prepared us. You see, we don't always just do it, okay, so we be prepared, because this is step one in the church setting. This is step two and step three. We don't do it to tick boxes. We do it so that the Spirit can move and He can teach us how to be intimate with truth. So this whole thing of biblical truth, it's key because He has a plan. Please listen to this. This is so... I tell you I write stuff down because I feel like He says it to me, so I'm not going to change His words. It's key because he has a plan and purpose that involves people. Thank you, Jesus. Involves people coming together in agreement and ultimately into unity in Christ. 
Don't be afraid of friendships with people that aren't Christian. In fact, please go after them. I'm not advocating going to places if, if you, you know, have been alcoholic or something. Don't hang out in the bars. But don't be afraid of somebody who drinks. God is putting things together. Can we think in truth and allow truth to look like something different than a church service? Can we? If you're scared of that, I'm going to tell you that what's making you scared of that is not the Holy Spirit of the living God. Because love never comes with fear, never comes with timidity, never comes with paranoia, never comes with trepidation. He doesn't come to make us feel like, oh, is this God, is this not? God is into people of all kinds, of which I am one. I'm not normal. I grew up thinking that I had to be a certain way. And I grew up living in a box. And I have this kooky, I mean, basically at heart, I'm a freak. I mean, I was a hippie back in the 70s. and But even that was not... God was doing something with even that. I'm free-spirited. But then he gives me a spiritual father who's very disciplined and taught me about structure and order. Why? So that I would submit and come under the covering of God with my free-spiritedness. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that. And I'm not afraid to admit, I, I can be so independent. So for me to know who I'm to submit to, I mean, there are some things in the growth that's happening with me in worship that I'm submitted to Asia. <laughs> but I met her when she was a little girl. It's very cool, isn't it? I love it, man. Jesus, I just love Jesus. Okay, so, um, so the commission. Let's talk about the commission. Anybody that's been in certain denominations that are way into evangelism, you can feel this with me. So the commission is in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go into the world and make disciplined ones. Take the disciplines that you're learning in God and take them out into the highways and byways, foreign countries, wherever you go. Take these disciplines. Not church doctrine. Doctrines of Christ, doctrines of life, doctrines of the spirit of truth. Take it everywhere you go. Here's what it means, basically. This, is, this isn't Holy Spirit, but I don't think it's not not him. It's just the thought I had. Make friends as you proclaim the good news. Why are we afraid of making friends? I love stuff like that. I love, like, have a people group that is vast and diverse. Don't be afraid. Like, if there's people that want to come near to you, Please, sweetheart, it's not just because you're cute. When people want to be in our presence, they feel something different maybe in our presence. They might just like you. And if you know Jesus, I'm going to tell you probably that's some of it. They maybe feel safe. Maybe they feel peace. Maybe they just feel the acceptance. I think it's so past time for the church to actually demonstrate the acceptance of God. I heard this teacher recently. This was so, I laughed so hard. He said, um, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but um, you might already listen to him. Anyways, really cool guy. Used to pastor a church. Now he's just all over the place. I mean, he'll, he'll speak stuff on Instagram. He does seminars. He does seminars with business people. This guy can speak and proclaim good news in a language that everybody can understand. Anyways, so he said, you know, I go into these churches sometimes to do seminars. And he said, I know they're not expecting unsaved people to come in because their pocketbooks and their phones are laying on all the seats. 
So all they're expecting is squeaky clean people. Jesus had a guy on his team that was a thief. And he let him carry. See, that's my thing. I think if they steal my little iPhone 6, they're desperate. But anyways, and my purse is sitting there. If they need the money, I mean, but, but I get what the guy's saying. Our expectations. We're just expecting the same family that comes every week. And we know that our family won't steal our pocketbook. So even that, are we fellowshipping with truth enough to have expectation that people groups and people of alternate lifestyles will come because they feel something different with us? Please, Jesus, help us. See, that's why I will teach this kind of stuff. Because me and all of us, we need to let our minds, let our minds be enveloped, immersed in truth. Right? Jesus. So to disciple is to bring the disciplines of life in Christ. So I'm going to ask another question. (laughs) How could we do that if we don't have the disciplines of Christ in our own life? I mean, what if the disciplines in my life are only the disciplines of Living Faith Church? (laughs) They're great disciplines. But there are people that there's no way they're going to live a life the way we do here. They, would, they have no context for it. They would have no place for what I would say to them to rest. There are people out there that we're trying to evangelize with our personal convictions or the doctrine of our church body. And they, they're like, you might as well speak a foreign language to me. First of all, they think we're wackadoodle because when you're walking in disciplines of Christ and you don't, you know, you're a person that they don't understand What has convinced your heart? Who has convinced your heart? The love of God, the love of Jesus, the acceptance that has drawn you to a place that the goodness of God has drawn you to repentance, to turn around and walk a different way. They don't know that. They're like, I'm not doing nothing wrong. Everything I do is legal. You know, a lot of people are doing some crazy stuff and it's legal. Sweetheart, there's a lot of things that are legal right now that are an abomination against other humans. Help us, Jesus. So we want to move away from even evangelism being a program or an obligatory discipline. Ever, and I have in a denomination I grew up in, have you ever felt obligated to do evangelism rather than inspired and motivated. Anybody ever felt that? I felt it. But then even, this is what's beautiful in God. Even when I did that and ticked the box and went with a group that was doing it every week in an obligatory fashion, I felt joy. When I would have people, you know, I would ask them the question, um, if you die tonight, do you know that you have a home in heaven? I had one elderly lady. She was in her garden taking care of her flowers, and I went and shared with her some things. I didn't put that question to her, but I shared. Um, she had gone to church, but she said, I never got much out of church, and I thought, yeah, I get that. And um, so I, I read to her from my Bible, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and she just looked at me. She just looked into my eyes. I guess the spirit with which I said those two verses to her, she'd never heard it. Like, you're saved by grace. You don't have to do anything. 
And she looked in my eyes and she said, I really want to believe that, but I can't. That's the power of religion. That however she had been trained, I left that interaction with her. She never prayed to receive, but I know my God and I know my Father. And I put enough seed in her that even in her last breaths, I'm sure that he was, he came to her. You see, we always think everything's got to go the way church makes it go. Say the sinner's prayer before you get this. Say this prayer. Say that prayer. Um, it's not that those aren't good things. But so many things are the way we've made it in our church settings. Not bad things, just not for everybody. Y'all with me? John 14. um, I kind of want to end in this arena that we often ask for discernment. And we practice, you know, like I want to learn about discernment. Yet we have the very spirit of truth right inside. He speaks biblical truth to us, but not just doctrinal truth. And he also guides us in how to use that truth in our current situation. See, that that's what's key. Is It's not an all sizes, like every situation on healing should have just these scriptures. He guides us. So... Um, Let me read the message first. John 14. You were in 15 last week in your chat, weren't you? Yeah. Um, Did I even mark this? You know the message. They don't even have the numbers next to it. It's so frustrating. I may not even be able to find it. Uh, 14, 12, down here. Oh, no wonder. I was an axe. (laughs) I'm looking for it thinking, what? Okay. If you love me, this is Jesus talking, okay? If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. What I've told you. Not what your church told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend. That's how the message says it. But remember, in biblical truth, friend is not common. Like, you know, like on Facebook, you have 5,000 friends. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a covenant commitment. You know, he'll give you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him. Remember I said at the beginning, are you allowing God to teach you to see truth in various places that aren't churchy, that you might say aren't spiritual at all? Everything is spiritual, guys, because humans are spirit beings. You, know, you do understand that it's not just Christians that are spirit beings. <laughs> and I'm not making fun. I'm just saying sometimes we think in terms with a church helmet on. Ever had a church helmet on? You know, and it's like real tight. You know, like when you ride a motorcycle, you get a tight helmet so it can protect your brain. And denominational teaching often is trying to protect your brain. It's, it's, the intentions are good, but it's trying to protect your brain from getting into error. Don't think on your own. I'm really not being sarcastic. I'm being serious. I mean, and see, we could do that here. I don't want to do that here. I'm not telling you how to have your convictions and fellowship with the spirit of truth. I'm just telling you, do it because it'll change your life. So they can't see him. 
doesn't know what to look for. They don't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. He'll be in you. He's in you. Who knows Jesus and is born again in this room tonight? Put up both hands if you're. And if you think you are, just put up one hand. I know, Joe. I'm just being silly. He's in you. He's in you. He's not in you more because you know more scripture. He's like all up in your business. Yeah, he's not in you because you know the scriptures. He's in there to help you know the scriptures. But to know the spirit of the scriptures. The spirit of the scriptures. Man, don't beat people over the head with the Bible. I've been there, done that. I mean, I walked in to get baptized in spirit with my, this was a small Bible compared to the one I carried into my little meeting. And it had all of my scriptures underlined. Um, Can you all give me just a couple extra minutes? Because I want to, I want to land this plane. New King James Version. I want to read that to you of John 14. I think this is important stuff. So um, I believe that we will have, I have grace and favor um, with the children's ministry. John 14, let me find you. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, Parakletos. He'll give you another helper. I mean, somebody that will literally walk with you in how you're learning all this stuff. Another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want to, I want to throw something out here in this particular scripture. Not that one up there, but down here where it says what we'll do in his name. Have you ever done something and maybe prayed for somebody and you end it in the name of Jesus and, and then it doesn't happen? And you think, but I did it in the name of Jesus. I prayed it in the name of Jesus. That scripture is not talking about the Christian way to say the end at the end of a prayer. It's speaking of that word there is onoma, the word for name. And it's anything that you ask in my spirit and character and nature. Now don't. Don't go into condemnation, but there is a lifestyle. There is a yieldedness that we're learning how to give ourselves more and more over to God and say, I'm not just trying to look Christian. I really see truth here. I'm fellowshipping with you in truth. And if it belongs to me, then you want to give it to everybody. And so there is a way. And and we can't tell one another what that looks like. I would never presume to tell you what you walking in the character and nature of Jesus would look like for you. But I think we do need to admit that if if Jesus said this and it's not happening, the problem isn't on his part. It's something we're not yet matured in. Say no condemnation. So we just fellowship. We, we Like what is my... What, what will your character and nature look like in me, Jesus? You all with me? So you ask yourself, am I learning to recognize truth in the moment? In each moment. Sometimes you can rack your brain trying to get what you've heard at church for the situation you're in. 
close your eyes, refuse to go under that kind of a constraint. Close your eyes and say, Jesus, whatever I've learned at the church, if it really is you in my life, then there's some guidance that will come up out of the spirit fullness inside of me right now. I'm not going to just do what I've been told to do. I want to learn how you would have me demonstrate this truth. Okay, I want to end with this. Two things I want to end with. Truth in the moment will probably not come in chapter and verse form. However, when you are actively learning to recognize the spirit of truth in everyday life, it may at the time seem like it couldn't possibly be God, and yet it is. When you give yourself to learning the scriptures and fellowshipping in those scriptures with God, with Father God, with Jesus, in the moment you're going to get inclinations, you're going to get impulses, you're going to get some words maybe to say, maybe nothing, maybe you're with someone and they've experienced a horrendous thing. And you don't get anything to say, but you feel to take them in your arms and cry with them. It's incredibly, incredibly spiritual. Okay, I want to end with Matthew 6. Jesus is so good. Matthew 6, 31 to 34. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. You see, even... This scripture can be taken out of context. Yeah, it's talking about not worrying about provision daily. But isn't some of the provision daily not just material needs? It's the guidance of the Spirit. It's revelation on the scriptures. It's revelation on who are we as the church of Jesus Christ supposed to be in the 21st century? Please, God, show us. Because so many people in the 21st century are so incredibly intelligent that they're they're thinking when the church says, well you know, social media is not of God, and this is not of God, and that's not of God. And really? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Are we willing to redeem it with our hearts and quit judging? Because you see, God, anything that you people find out, like satellites and stuff, that knowledge was floating around in the spirit world, and people saw how to do that. I heard this morning... This person was saying in something I was listening to, this is so cool. To, it was, I think it was on the news. This is so cool to me that I'm speaking into a microphone. It goes all the way into outer space to a satellite before it comes back to your phone and TV. She said, that blows my mind. It blew my mind. But guess where that knowledge came? A person discovered that knowledge. They didn't invent it. Um. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works. (laughs) That's what we're talking about tonight, the way God works. They fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. 
Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Give yourself to the word, guys. Give yourself to fellowship with truth. Say, God, I only know truth as scripture right now, but I want to know the very spirit of truth. You know, there's no condemnation in that. There's no harm in admitting where we're at if we are maybe stuck in doctrine or church behavior. It's not a crime. It's beautiful. It's just part of each of our history where we are at the moment. Where you are at the moment is where you are at the moment. It's where I am. I'm dealing with some things. And some of what I bring to you is coming out of my fellowship with the spirit of truth and how he's helping me to see the spirit of truth outside of these walls. I don't want to just be a church Christian. I want to be so in Christed that I can accept mankind and because Jesus did that. People came to him. People of really lousy morals came into his presence and were accepted. (sighs) Y'all with me? So, Father, we just thank you for the way that you're guiding us. We thank you that there are some things you're breaking off our mindsets that we have come to. in religious settings, and, and you're not even saying the religious settings are bad. You're just saying that you are growing us up so that we can operate by the Spirit, not just having to always remember step one, step two. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know the way Father God and Jesus want the truth to live inside of each one of us individually. Thank you for individuality. Thank you that in the Church of Jesus Christ, even at this very moment, that there's somebody for everybody out there in the world, that there's no one out there, that there's not somebody that already knows Jesus can reach. So we praise you for salvation in Northern Virginia. Thank you so much for salvation in Northern Virginia, that truly Northern Virginia is being saved, but not just saved to go to heaven, but saved to live a heavenly life right here, right now, with you present in every moment with them. We love you, God. Thank you so much for this school. Thank you for this church. Thank you for a church home that is willing to have a school where we really can bring our individual personalities to light. We love you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.